Welcome to Data Disruption. This show is a deep dive into data problems, solutions, and innovations disrupting the private markets. I'm your host, Kaylee Jacoby. Hi, everyone. I'm Kaylee Jacoby, and today I'm joined by our global head of technology, Jason Adams, to discuss common mistakes and misconceptions around building a data architecture. Jason, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Kaylee. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. So, Jason, let's dive right in. I know you spend a lot of your time advising key executives on their data architecture, but when it comes to financial technology, what are investors really looking to accomplish? That's a great question. And honestly, this is one of the pieces that I'm most passionate about. A lot of times when interviewing different stakeholders on the technology teams or on the business teams inside of our market, um, they're... They, they kind of typically lean to say, I need this, I need this information. It's locked away all over the place. And I think if I can just get all of it in a single spot, like a database, then we'll be good to go and we'll be able to solve all of our business uh, needs. And those can range from insights to um, compliance requirements to being able to get a competitive edge, even maybe doing some forecasting or look ahead uh, type of information. And there's a lot more to it than that. It's not as simple as just getting all of my information into one spot. Um, It's a common misconception, but there's a lot more that goes into that. And that's typically where uh, most organizations struggle. Okay. So walk me through it. What are the critical pieces to producing an effective and scalable data architecture? Great question, Kaylee. And let me go ahead and, and share a quick fundamental visual here that helps give a lay of the land in terms of when we talk about data management, what critical components are really essential. Now, most times, you know, organizations and firms really focus on two of the six pillars here, or puzzle pieces that you see in this visual. They focus on the data warehouse and they focus on the BI or business intelligence layer. That's the, the, the yellow and the purple um, puzzle piece here on this visualization. Um, but the rest is typically overlooked. And in reality, there's really critical pieces here that have grave implications when you select them. So let's start at the beginning in terms of how are we going to ingest this highly variable data? This is extremely important in our industry. Um, This is what technologies are you going to use to work with legacy data that might be locked away in files like Excel spreadsheets, um, emails, um, very disparate data that might be in unstructured PDF documents as well as more modern applications in terms of cloud applications that you want to interface with at the API layer. You have to get all of that information and you have to make sure you have the ultimate flexibility and that ingestion side of this uh, puzzle in order to bring the data into your solution. The second one and a common misconception as well and what I've seen in the industry is used interchangeably but they're fundamentally different is the data lake versus the data warehouse. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, a data lake is how you're dealing with that unstructured data. It's data that we haven't really defined yet. Say you want to bring in sensor data from an IoT devices. If you're a power plant, you want to see what's coming in in terms of power production. Or maybe you're operating a toll road as an infrastructure asset and you want to see what the traffic patterns are like for a given amount of time. This is broad, large swaths of data that doesn't necessarily have a place yet, but we want to store it so we might be able to take advantage of it later. That's fundamentally different than a data warehouse, which is all about structure and definition so that you can optimize how you interact with that data to do things like gain insight. But let's go to the middle piece here, the data preparation layer. And I look at this one as one of the most commonly overlooked pieces that are fundamentally critical um, in going down this journey. And that is 
a data preparation layer has two core aspects. Uh, first is where we do the transformation of that data and loading that data into that data warehousing solution. This is where you're starting to define that um, and make aggregations and consolidate that information. The second one is the data modeling piece. We're actually building the relationships between different data sets that you might be capturing so that the systems and humans can actually use that information uh, when they go to grab insight and, and, and manipulate that data later on inside the data warehouse. So moving on to the data warehouse, um, this is again different than the data lake, as I mentioned before. This is where you're looking at the storage of that organized data, where you want to consume that at scale. So this is where performance is really key. This is where um, being able to interface and sit different business intelligence solutions on top of it is critical, uh, mission critical to extracting that insight. And then what most people commonly think of as, as enterprise data solutions um, that typically is the most in-your-face and upfront piece that's most uh, appealing is the BI layer. And this is where you're going to do your corporate dashboarding, uh, where your interactive dashboards that you're going to be working with to see and, and, and uh, gain value out of that insight. Um, it's also where you're going to do corporate reporting where as a fundamental piece of our business still, whether it's GPs working with LPs, whether it's uh, prescriptive reporting to reporting bodies um, for compliance purposes, there's always going to be the use case where there's a prescriptive format. We want to get the most current data into it, and then we want to distribute it in common, in common formats that are acceptable in the industry, such as um, Office Suite or PDF uh, files or flat files, like such as CSV files. Um, but the third piece, which is becoming more and more prevalent, is the ad hoc data analysis. And this is really critical because when you're working through ad hoc data analysis, the importance here is having a intuitive user interface that allows not just data analysts and not just uh, data modelers to go in and build from a technology side compelling visualizations of data for the rest of the business, we're actually leaning in and moving as an industry more towards empowering the business user um, to drive their own insights and really explore that data themselves uh, to generate, uh, you know, advantages um, in, in, in the corporate landscape. And then finally, the last layer, which is just as important as the first, is now that you've added value, you've collected the data, you've modeled the data, you've agged on your aggregations, and you've optimized it, and you have your insights we don't want to let all that value go to waste. So we want to make sure that we can access that information, not just within the data, within this data architecture, but we want to be able to expose it to multiple different endpoints in varying different ways. Uh, so having a large amount of, of different types of interfaces, whether it's through API connections, database connections, or file-based transfers, you want to make sure that you can uplift the value of the rest of your technology investments you're made in your firm. Wow. Thank you for the way that you explained all the way that the puzzle pieces fit together, the complexity, uh, and the need for all of them, not just one off. Um, it seems like investors are faced with a slew of challenges to solve at a high level of complexity. You know, I'm guessing that follows with quite a price tag. What's the cost involved here? 
It does. It's it's actually one of the major problems in the industry because there's so many different ways to try to solve this. And all of the selections you make along the way have grave implications. And really, fundamentally, it comes down to three major vectors in cost. Um, and, and I would add a fourth is time. But the major categories are licensing prices. And each of those six pillars or puzzle pieces that we talked about, um, there are many different offerings out there for each of those components. And all of those have a license price associated with them that range from from, you know, in the hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, so as you grow and you make those selections along the way, that price tag adds up. Mm-hmm. The second piece to that is the infrastructure. Remember that licensing is only one aspect of pricing for these commercial solutions. The other piece is, as this is a data product, you have to think about storage and compute and the infrastructure and the servers that you're going to be hosting all of this data on. And that comes at a typically a different rate as well. So you have to make sure you're accounting for not only what it costs to use a solution for each of those components, but also the underlying infrastructure that you're going to need to operate to run it. And that is a cost that continues to grow over time as we access more data. And then the final piece is, of course, the head, the, the, the individual talent that you're going to have to have in-house in order to operate a data solution. And this ranges all the way from uh, data analysts um, on the front end uh, that can help configure the dashboards and the reports and the things that, that are going to extract the insight, but also the technical teams, things like program managers, product managers to help, you know, uh, go between the business and the technology teams. You're gonna have to have database architects, database engineers. Um, You're gonna have to have data modelers. And the list gets longer and longer as you go down looking at that full solution. So what we typically see, and in in my conversations with other CIOs and CTOs in the business, um, on average, these, these, these uh, solutions take anywhere between 18 months, nine, 18 months to two years to realize the first initial value. And typically about four years um, in total before everything is really up and running globally across the business. And in that time, you're, you're typically going to see somewhere between um, three and $6 million in just that first phase of 18 months to get up and running um, with a cost of, a, of around, you know, 15 to $20 million potentially um, until you really get that working across the business. Wow. So after understanding the pieces involved, how much it costs, the level of complexity here, and the value that it adds to a business. Jason, tell me why investors should care right now. What is the urgency to implement technology today? That's a great question. And I I attribute it to we're a data-driven world, right? But let's take a look at the objectives that we're trying to get to first. And I always like to start with the objectives. We don't want to just have grand, you know, grand new technologies for the sake of having technology. Um, It's really have to be driving a business solution and solving a business problem. And ultimately, our customers are now expanding themselves into different asset classes that they don't have experience in. They're broadening the amount of data that they need. And with access to other technologies, um, you're looking for additional transparency. So the date, the level of granularity of the information that you're receiving, whereas it used to might have been monthly or quarterly before, now we're seeing it down to minute intervals where we actually want to see what those revenues are at a given point in time to help us ultimately move forward in the future to do better forecasting and you know reach out into what could potentially influence the not only the scale of the business but the competitive advantage of the business by having access to all of that data that's been previously locked up and inaccessible. 
So Jason, that all sounds really complex given the critical pieces involved and the potential cost. Tell me, how does Mercatus influence this landscape? It's a great question, Kaylee. And, you know, having a data solution for all six of those major components is a task all on its own. But at the end of the day, whether you've collected your data, you've stored your data, and now you can take a look at that data and extract insight, I still feel like there's an area to add significant amount of value. At the end of the day, we're looking at business users. We want to make sure that the businesses can interface and influence that data, not just look at it. Mm-hmm. So that's where really we're focused. We're focused on bringing a modern application layer to sit on top of that enterprise data solution um, that allows those business users to manipulate that data, to interact with that data, and to derive additional information um, based on all of it. Mm-hmm. So. Fundamentally, we feel that there really only needs to be one price tag, one cohesive unified solution um, that is built for the financial space um, that accounts for the flexibility that's necessary to bring data in and to get data out. And ultimately, that's where we're focused in our innovation. I love that. I love the way that you just simplified it and explained one solution, data in, data out, what you need, and how to run your business more efficiently. You know, I'm curious to hear from anyone else tuning in, what are the challenges that you're facing when it comes to technology, and how are you finding solutions to those problems? Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Kaylee. Thanks for listening to this episode of Data Disruption by Mercatus. If you like what you heard, share and leave us a review. It helps others discover the show, and I thank you for it. And if you'd like additional insights related to this conversation, go to our website at gomercatus.com slash resources. Cheers, everyone.